But uh, Grace Covenant Church planting another church at the same time. And uh, this morning in Chantilly, they're announcing it. And um, it's a long time uh, pastors on staff, pastors Sean and Danelle Perkins are planting a church. I know with the shock, right? So like there's the, if you don't know them, they're just an amazing couple. They've been at Grace Covenant Church for, uh, gosh, 20 something years. Uh, she's been on staff, I think, for 15 years. And um, uh, he's been on staff for a little bit shorter than that. But they're just, he runs the men's ministry, has for a long time. She's run the prayer ministry and women's discipleship has fallen under her for a number of years. We are red hot on fire about this. And so right now, uh, I'm going to play a video and then I'm going to help us process it just a little bit because I want you to hear it from them. Hello, we are Pastor Sean and Danelle Perkins, and we have some exciting news for you. We're planning Rise Community Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Target time for this effort is the spring of 2020. Tremendous doors of service and outreach have opened to us at Coastal Carolina University, Ori Police Department, and an area in Atlantic Beach. Our vision is to bring reconciliation to the races, restoration of families, and the rebuilding of this community for Christ. There are three ways that you can partner with us. Pray, give, or go. We would love to share more about our vision and mission for this area, and you can email us at info at risecc.org. Partner with us as we work to see this community rise for Jesus Christ. Doesn't that beach make you feel just a little bit called? It, may, it, may, it makes you, that was really sneaky of them. They talked for like 10 seconds and showed the beach for like an hour. It's like, I feel called. Let's go. I, I don't think I even have to pray about it. Come on. I feel, feel stirred in my spirit. Maybe a short term missions trip in my future, Megan. I feel called. Short term. A lot of short-term missions trips. I really want to support them in every way possible. <laughs> every way possible. I'm going to have to give and then go check on things, you know, see how it's going. My prayers might be heard better if I was there. <laughs> so, uh, no, we're really excited. So I want, to help, I want to process these emotions with you real quick. Because if you, if you don't know them, you're like, awesome. This is what Grace Covenant does. Like, we're just sending people all over the place. Pastor Dehan Lee uh, went to L.A. Uh, four, uh, oh gosh, gosh, four years ago uh, in June. And so he planted Renew Church L.A. And Pastor Daryl Morrison left three years ago to Phoenix, Arizona. Paul Harris going to UVA. Pastor Donnell and Pastor Sean Perkins now going to Myrtle Beach. And so you're like, this is just the air that I breathe. Um, but it's new to some of us who have been here for a long time because it's something we talked about and something we were teeing up for a long time. But it was kind of like there was this queue forming. There was this pipeline developing that, uh, that wasn't wasn't being fully expressed yet. It's a value that we had. It's a value that's close to our heart, but we hadn't planted a church prior to four years ago in like 10, 13 years. 
Uh, we had sent people. We had partnered with church planting efforts. We partnered with a church in 2001 up in New York City right after 9-11. We partnered with a church in Philadelphia shortly after that. And we partnered with churches down in Orlando, Florida with Pastor Tim Johnson by supporting financially and supporting relationally. Uh, Tim Johnson, is a, he was a former Redskin who was uh, on our team here in, uh, here in Grace Covenant Church. And then he went to Nashville, Tennessee for a short period of time. And then he launched over to, to Orlando. And so he's, he's us too. Keith Towers, who many of you don't know, was on staff for a little bitty time. He's planted a church down in Orlando, Florida also. But it doesn't have that same impact when you, when, you know, one, it was a little ways away. And two, you didn't have a relationship with them. If you have a relationship with Pastor Sean and Danelle, you're like really excited because, well, this is what we do. And you're like, oh, but what does this mean for me? And I just want to remind you that everything that God has said about what he wants to do is still true. And, and the, though maybe the, the way that it gets accomplished or the people that it gets accomplished with might change, God's word doesn't change. He's still going to fulfill the things. So if you felt like, man, I was growing so much under their ministry and I was so encouraged by them, this doesn't mean that you don't continue to grow and be encouraged and, and uh, grow into maturity. It's something that absolutely continues. It will just happen differently because God doesn't, God doesn't need, uh, God doesn't need a, a David Hermes. God doesn't need a Jermaine Moore or a, a Danelle or a Sean to accomplish his work in your life, though he loves to use them. Does that make sense? And so there's this, there's this kind of sorrow and this excitement at the same time because with every new thing, there's a death of another thing. And sometimes we feel the death of the other thing more strong. And there's all sorts of like really cheesy songs about that, but it's a, it's a, re, it's a, it's a reality that, that, we, that we have to, that's why there are so many songs about it, right? It's like, yes, this is awesome, but what, is gonna, what are we going to do with this? And what we're going to do with this is we're going to love. We're going to love and we're going to pray and we're going to give and we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to support them and we're going to celebrate them and we're going to chase after Jesus for the change that sometimes we thought we were going to get through that person, but we're going to find it in God and in him alone. He loves to mess it up. I, um, I was, uh, so Victory Church, uh, Victory Fort in the Philippines, in Manila, Philippines. So Metro Manila operates as one church. So they've got, I think, seven different churches. Each has many, many people in it. Um, but they, they operate as one church, kind of like Grace Covenant and Chantilly, uh, Grace Covenant Sterling and Grace Covenant Chantilly. We operate together. We're one church. Um, so they're one church with a bunch of congregations. The, the Victory Fort congregation has something like 18,000 people in it. It is a machine. They've got, they've got a service. They've got, so I preached at two of their services on Sunday morning, and you're like, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. But it was two of 17 services, <laughs> right? So they've got, you know, they've got two auditoriums. And, and they go 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, and just like all day. And then they basically start that on Thursday. And so it's just um, what God's doing is so cool. But here's what I wanted to say. Um, pastor Paulo, the senior pastor of that location, was showing me a picture. And he showed me the staff from, from 10 years ago. And he goes, this was our staff 10 years ago. And I'm like, that's awesome. And he goes, I'm the only one still here. And, and he goes, really, we have an option. It's Acts 1-8 or Acts 8-1. And so Acts 1-8 is the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost, uttermost parts of the world. Acts 8-1 is persecution came and their church was scattered. And so like he was saying, hey, we've, we've got a choice here. We can either be about the business of God and multiply and be fruitful and, and take dominion over all the earth 
steward the responsibility of the gospel and steward God's creation and steward the, the marvelous opportunities that we have. Uh, or we could just stay together and build for ourselves and ultimately God will scatter us. And so that's, you know, that was like, thanks, Paulo. That's encouraging. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, so as you need help processing, you can reach out to, to me. You can send us an email at the church and we, we can talk about what this means to plant churches, what it means for them to plant a church and how we can partner with them and support everything that they're doing. Amen? Amen. So all in all, this is really, this is really, really good. Um, and, and sometimes the relational dynamic would keep us from doing a really, really good thing. Because um, this was not done without much prayer, it was not done without much consultation. I got to be—I got to sit on the—I got to be a fly on the wall in the elders' meeting where they had this conversation, and they were like, "Oh, it was awkward," because it was this tension of, "Wow, we love you and we want you here, but we also know that this is what we do." And so, through prayer and discern the, through a prayer and discerning process, uh, that's this is what God is doing, and we're excited about it. And so. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's jump into the sermon. Um, it's going to be, uh, I'll, I'll go as fast as I can, um, but we got some ground to cover in this message. We're going to pick up on the sermon series in, in Hebrews chapter 11, like Miata called it, the Hall of Faith. And we're going to continue in this faith series. I don't know about you, but this has been the most encouraging and challenging series that, that we've been through in, a, in quite a while. For me personally, as we've been going through it, I've just felt God directing and redirecting my heart and, and pruning my life and calling me to greater levels of faith. And um, as a result of, of some, some prayers that Megan and I were praying last year, we, we continue to pray every, like all, every night. We try to pray every night just big faith prayers as a result of this series. And so sometimes it's a big faith prayer for our children. Sometimes it's for the church. Sometimes it's for the community. Sometimes it's, it's for ourselves. But uh, this, this has stirred something in us that I hope, and, and my hope is that you're feeling the same stirring. You're feeling the same challenge and the same encouragement from this series. We're going to be looking now at the life of Moses. Um, last time I was here, we were still talking about Abraham. But now we're, we're on the life of Moses, and we're going to be looking at uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 29. So if you could stand to your feet with me, we'll read this together. Uh, There are two verses, two verses, one verse. That's how the slides are broken up for you. So we'll read this together. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than wealth, than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would stir our hearts, that faith would rise up in our soul, and you would give us faith for life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I love that by the time we got to this verse 29, you had some conviction when you read faith. I heard it. This side of the room was really like, by faith, they had some conviction, JC. Your side of the room was a little bit behind. I know. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Um, 
So we're jumping into this, and um, today's, today's message is going to, I'm going to talk about identity a little bit. So as I, as, when I gloss over it, I'm not going to have time to really press in on this completely. So uh, I hope it's going to take listening, listening well and understanding the word identity through the, the framework and the grid of Scripture, because there's a lot in our culture today about identity. Who's, whose responsibility is it to identify or to, to describe or to, vi- to find somebody's identity? And um, what I think we're going to see today is that it's God's desire that he would identify us, and that's the identity that we would live in. So we're going to have to just make sure that we listen with, with spiritual ears, that we don't just assume things on the passage. Um, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead here. We see that this, this passage is framed by four by faith statements. In fact, if we go back to verse 23, you'd see five by faith statements. And these by faith statements frame the whole thing. And so you see by faith, Moses, when he was grown up by faith, he left Egypt by faith. He kept the path o- Passover and by faith, the people crossed over. And we're going to look at the by faith statements because each one of them represents a new season and a new series in his life. And each step opened up a new, a new place and a new opportunity for him. So each, each by faith opened up the next by faith, opened up the next by faith. And what I hope that we see today and what I hope we experience is, is affirmation for our own lives that faith is not a one-time statement that then we just live out forever. You don't just fill up your car once and then drive it forever, but it requires going back and being continually filled by faith, being continually stirred by faith. And we need new faith for every season. Amen? Now, anybody who's been walking with Jesus for a minute, you know that, man, I need faith now, and I need, I'm going to need more faith again later. And I'm going to need more faith again later. And God always supplies faith because faith is not something that starts or originates from us. Faith is a response to God. It's a response to the pressing of his Holy Spirit. It's a response to what we know. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so we aren't the authors and the originators of our faith. We aren't the ones who create our faith. We're the, one who, who are, we are, we're the ones who are given faith, and faith is a result of God pressing on us. And so you see that as a result of God pressing on Moses, when he was grown up, he was unwilling to live the way that he was. And what I want to do is I want to sh- highlight this progression that happened in his life. In, in, in those four statements, break down to say this also. By faith, Abraham, uh, I said Abraham, by faith, Moses, you guys, can, you can't edit that. It's a JPEG. Um, <laughs> by faith, Moses knew who he was. By faith, Moses lived boldly. By faith, Moses was delivered. And by faith, Moses led others to freedom. And so I want to go through these four ideas uh, rather quickly in talking about Moses instead of Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> so by faith, Abraham knew who he was. It says, by faith, when he was grown up, he refused to be called. Did I say Abraham again? <laughs> my goodness. I preached on Abraham all the sermons in, the Mina, in Manila, so that's my excuse anyway. So by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. One of the signs that we're grown up is that we put on the right identity. That's one of the signs that we're grown is when we know what our identity is in its truest form. And it's not something that we should be seeking out and figuring out on our own, but it's something that is granted to us by the one who's the creator of all things. 
Here we are again with the doctrine of creation. Either God created all things and defined it and allowed man to describe it, or God created stuff, let it go, and allowed man to decide what it was going to be. Man didn't decide what an elephant was. He, defi- he decided what he was going to call it. Okay, and so what we see is that the doctrine of creation is really, really important for our everyday life, and it's really important even for our identities and how we understand who we are and how we understand how we should live and how we, how we should be in our daily life. But you see, that it was when he was grown that by faith, it wasn't by frustration, it wasn't by, by, by feeling himself and being like, I'm a, I'm a freaking man now, mom, I'm not going to do this anymore. But it was by faith. It was a response to something that God had been speaking to him, maybe for, genera- maybe for years and years and years. Maybe it was just, it was latent and it had sat in his heart and he was watching the mistreatment of his brothers, the, the Hebrews. And, and he's like, I'm, I'm looking at them. I know I'm a Hebrew. My, I've, been, I, I've been adopted by Pharaoh's, by Pharaoh's daughter and I could live here and I could continue to eat this feast and I could continue to have the best things and I could have it all the way that I want to have it. But he wasn't satisfied to do that anymore because faith was rising up in his heart. And it was causing him to long for and to desire something other than what was right in front of him. And there was going to be a great loss, a potential gain for the opportunity of chasing after what God had called him to be and God had created him to be. There's a, there's a time in a believer's life where you become dissatisfied with every other label. You become dissatisfied even with the labels that you've been giving yourself. Uh, the, the, the labeling thing is, is kind of a big thing. And, and um, we're so eager to put a label on things and describe them, some of that good and some of that bad, that w- sometimes we rush to a false identity. And, but then we're, we're called something and then we wear it as if that's us, right? You're called something and you're like, well, that's who I am. So I'm going to be this for these people. And it goes well until somebody else calls you something else. And then you want to be them. You want to be that person for those people. And then you're around another group of people and they call you something and you want to be that for those people. Because there's power in our words and there's power in our ability to describe things and and to create kind of a reality for people. But God is the one who wants to give us an identity. God is the one who wants to tell us who we are and to to give us a direction and, and to give us a purpose and to move us in the direction of that purpose. But it's so much easier to let other people define us, isn't it? It's so much easier even to let good people, even to let people who have our best interest in mind to define us and to tell us who we are and who we aren't. Now, we need the community of people to affirm and to ratify that which God's called us to be. Uh, so, you know, one of, the, one of the most helpful things for me happened when I was in seventh grade. Uh, um, I remember uh, trying, trying to cuss at, at school one day. I, I, was, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cuss because that's what cool kids do in seventh grade. And, and so I got off the bus. I was really prepared for this. Sorry, dad. Like my dad's in the room. So that's funny. But uh, so, so I walk off the bus. I was like, today I'm going to fit in. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I want to be accepted. Oh, mom, hi. Um, <laughs> so I get off the bus in seventh grade and I'm like, I'm going to fit in now. I want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be just happy-go-lucky David. I'm going to, I want to fit in with all these people. And so I wanted to impress them and I wanted to change my label. So I got off the bus and I don't even remember what I said, but I got laughed at. And, and they were like, dude, don't do that. It's not, it doesn't work for you. 
it doesn't work for you. Yeah, praise God, right? So, so sometimes, sometimes the community's helpful and it helps, it helps tell you who you are and who you're supposed to be. There was a time later in high school, I was already secure in who I was. I was cool. I was loving Jesus and I, I was living, um, living pure, not dating and, and not, not doing drugs or anything else. But I was, I was friends with some people who were using drugs. And I was like, hey, to this guy, Chris, I was like, hey man, maybe I should come out with you guys some night. And you know, just kind of see what this is all about. And he's like, nah, man. Nah. He goes, we need you to be you. So we know where we are in proximity to where we should be. So please, please keep doing that. So sometimes the community's helpful, right? Sometimes I didn't actually want to do drugs. I I had already known who I was, but I just wanted to see what, like, they had a double standard for themselves. They were willing to trash their own lives, but they weren't willing to trash my life. It was weird. Um, But, um, but the, the community is important to affirm who we are. And if you're around the wrong community, they'll affirm who you aren't or who you're not supposed to be. Or they'll let you live with a false identity. Traveling through the airport, there were a whole bunch of times where you have to pull out your passport. And they're like, hey, there are extra security measures. So we're going to pull out your passport. We're also going to scan your eyes. And we're also going to make sure that you can answer questions, simple questions about yourself, so we can know that you really are who you say that you are. And so, but I think, you know, the, their concern is that somebody's got a false identity. And I think the concern for me is that some of us are walking around with a false identity. We think we are who other people have said that we are, and we're living short of the call of God for our lives because we think we're just something else. Or we're looking for our boss to define us, or to, you know, we're looking for our boss to give us that identity. We're looking for our job to give us that identity. Or we're looking for a relationship to give us that identity instead of looking to Christ alone to give us that identity. So Moses went through something that's pretty well described in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. It says that uh, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And, and Moses goes through this kind of revelatory moment and he's like, oh, wait a second, I'm not, I'm not that anymore. I'm this and I need to walk in this. And so he rose up under his godly identity and took on the identity that God intended for him to have instead of the false identity that everybody else would have been pleased for him to have, especially Pharaoh. So by faith, he left, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. So he's sitting here. He's like, I've got this real identity. I know who God's called me to be. I know who God's made me to be. And we can know who God's made us to be because of the word. And we got we to go to this and let this test and affirm what we think God's saying about us. But so he, he knows who he was and he knows who he's supposed to be. And now he's getting ready to walk out into this. And, and, but there's a Pharaoh in his life. And there's a Pharaoh in every single one of our, our lives who wants us to stay exactly where we were who doesn't want us to change, who doesn't want us to walk into freedom, who doesn't want us to walk into our truest identity because they find comfort in us living below the standard that we're supposed to walk in. It's really quiet today. Am I, am I, you tracking? Okay. So what happens is we, we, we start to put on these other false identities and Pharaoh likes us with this false identity because as long as you've got that false identity, you can't be who God's called you to be. And if you can't be who God's called you to be, you'll never accomplish what God's called you to do. And what God's called you to do might work against what that person wants you to do or what works against their their highest level of comfort. Because if Moses knew who he was, then he would set the slaves free and then all the free labor for the Egyptians is gone. So Pharaoh needed Moses to be numbed to sleep by the table. 
He needed Moses to be comforted, needed Moses to be, to be kind of lulled to sleep by complacency of having all the things that he could ever dream of having, all the worldly possession, all the table, all the feast, all the pleasure, all the fun was, was his as long as he held that false identity. And Pharaoh needed him to stay there. Now, this is kind of interesting because in Exodus, you see that Moses fled because he was scared. And in Hebrews now, we see that Moses was not afraid. So just like Miata pointed out in the offering message, we're not defined by those moments of fear if faith is the overriding theme of our life. So Moses gets his identity. He's like, I, gotta, I can't do this anymore. And so he goes and he kills a guy who's abusing, who's beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. The lion woke up. He roared, kind of a Lambert, the sheepish lion. You guys know that movie? It's worth a Google, maybe. I don't know. He's like, anyway, I'm not gonna, we don't have time. So, 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 he, so he's like, no, this can't happen anymore. He awakens, he runs over there, he kills the Egyptians and he's like, I'm a Hebrew. And he goes, but I'm gonna be in trouble. And so he flees, but he didn't flee and just stay in fear. He fled with faith in his soul that he knew who he was called to be. And it was just gonna be a matter of time before he returned and did what God was calling him to do. So he had a moment of fear that caused him to flee, but faith was the overriding theme of his life. And so he's remembered not by his fear, but by his faith. We've talked about this before about uh, doubting Thomas, right? I'm sick and tired of calling him doubting Thomas because he believes now. He is no longer regarded as doubting Thomas in heaven. He's Thomas who believes, right? We got blind Bartimaeus, who's not blind anymore. He's seeing Bartimaeus. What is our obsession with leaving people where we found them? We, what is our obsession with leaving Moses where he was? He's not just a kid who was abandoned in a little boat in a river. He is Moses who delivered the Israelites by faith. And so, but it took faith. It took stepping out and responding to what he knew. What did he know except for his mom probably told him, baby, you're going to be raised by these people, but you're, you're my son. You are a Hebrew and God's got a plan, a plan and a call for your life. I put you in this little crib. I put you in this little thing in the river and they pulled you out and they allowed me to nurse you and to give you life and they sustained your life and God has a purpose for your life. And you're gonna fulfill this purpose for your life and someday God's gonna awaken this purpose and be ready for it because when it happens, it's gonna be time to go. And so now he's saying, here it is. It's time, time to go. He knew that his identity wasn't just for himself, but he was being joined to a people as a result of his identity. And God doesn't call you to an identity by yourself. And so if your identity sets you higher than everybody else or apart from everybody else, it's a false identity. Because the identity that Christ has for us is that of a body. The identity that Christ has for us is that of a building. And we are to be joined to one another and supplying to one another and encouraging to one another and supporting one another and building one another up in our faith. And so he was not just called to be, he was not called to the, be the Hebrew nation of Moses. He was called to be in the Hebrew nation. That means he was a Hebrew man among the Hebrews. If God is calling you into his purposes, you are a person who is called to God's purpose for yourself among a people. And it's key to know who those people are that God's calling you to walk with so that you can fulfill the call that God has for you, not just for your life, but for their lives as well. 
And then we got faith for deliverance. By faith, he kept the Passover. So here's the thing. We got about 40 years between when, a when Abraham, <laughs> between when Moses killed the Egyptian and fled to Midian and when he returns to, to, the, uh, to set the, the Israelites, to set the Hebrew, Hebrew people free. And so we got a 40-year span where he lived in faith. You know, did his, his faith maybe waver during that time? Like, what am I doing? I can't go back. I'm scared. What, should I even return? Is it safe to return? What are they going to do when I return? The Hebrew people rejected me because they're scared of me. And the Egyptians hate me because they know who I'm really supposed to be. So what do I do? Pharaoh wants me to be who I was, but I can't do that anymore. That ship sailed. Will the Hebrew people accept me as I am? And so, but he returns and he returns. I, I wish it said he returned by faith, but he returns. And he returns and he does these cool things. He had the whole burning bush moment and, he, and then he returns, he does these things. And then here we are at the climax of the plagues and, and God says, I'm gonna send a plague and it's gonna kill the firstborn child of every, of every household unless you put the blood on the doorpost. So Moses hears this call. We need to put the blood of the lamb on our doorposts. And if we put the lamb, if we put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the angel of death will pass over, will be delivered from death. And so Moses keeps this. And the people he told to keep it kept it. And they all put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the angel of death passed over them. And it was by faith that he kept the Passover. It's by faith that we receive the love and the forgiveness of God through the blood of Jesus. We don't put blood on our doorposts anymore. That'd be kind of weird if we did, but I guess it wouldn't be weird if that's what we had done for all the generations. Anyway, so, but we put the blood of Jesus on, on the threshold, on the doorposts of our life by not depending on our own ability to deliver us from whatever it is that we need deliverance from, but by trusting in the death and the resurrection of Jesus as the one who covers us and protects us and brings us into the fullness of life. It is Jesus who delivers us. It's not us who delivers ourselves. And it's by faith. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, it, it, you forget how crazy it is, what we actually believe. You, you forget how crazy it is that we, we believe that there's a God who created everything. And he called this creation good. You forget that, there, that it's crazy to believe that there's a God who formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into him. And that's why we live and, have, and, and, and are, are so unique in, 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 our, in our existence. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you forget that it's weird that, that God came into a woman who was a virgin to be born and to live uh, as, a, as a man and God at the same time. And, and in that time, he, he lived without any sin. Right? Imagining a life with no sin is hard. Right? Or have you been a Christian that long that you don't think you sin? <laughs> <laughs> then you're in real trouble if you're that. <laughs> we forget that it's crazy that it's remarkable and that it requires faith. And sometimes you can be like, well, why don't you just believe? Because it's extraordinary. Because it's amazing. Because it's otherworldly. Because it's supernatural. Because it, it defies everything that we can know and feel and, 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 and by, by, 
by measuring sticks and by, by chemistry. It's, 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 it's something else altogether. But it's, it's by faith that we know that these things are true. It's by faith that, you know, so Moses was hearing, hey, this angel of death is going to pass over and it's going to kill a whole bunch of people. But if you kill a lamb and put the, door, the blood on the doorpost, you'll be good. How many people do you think were like, <laughs> right, angel of death. Good one, Moses. Kill a lamb, because that'll do a lot of good. I, I heard the angel of death is scared of lamb blood. <laughs> Thanks for that, Moses. Like, I'm sure that he's going to get to my doorpost, see the lamb blood, and be like, oh, these people mean business. We better stay away from the lamb blood. Lambs are fierce. They killed a lamb. Whoa. <laughs> That's how, that's how cynical I am. And yet they did it by faith. They believed the word of God. They moved at the word of God. And so we, we need to believe for our deliverance comes, that our deliverance comes through Jesus. And it, he kept it. I like the word kept just because, it, because it's, it's faithfulness. He kept it. He didn't, just, he didn't just talk about it. He didn't just have an idea. You know, he didn't just preach a good sermon on it. Like, hey guys, here's what we're gonna do. Here's the game plan. We're gonna we're gonna go get get a bunch of lambs, and we're gonna we're gonna slaughter them, and we're gonna take the hyssop or whatever they used, and we're gonna we're gonna put it up on the doorpost, and then and then not do it for himself. Right? It wasn't just encouragement that he wasn't willing to do for himself. That's not something just for pastors. That's something for every believer. That oftentimes we look at the weaknesses of other people, and we're like, well, this is all you've got to do. Don't you know that? Just do that and everything, but then, but then we don't keep. We go back to our own home or we go back to our own workplace. We go back to our own, to our own friendship or to our own uh, you know, viewing habits or we go back to our own sports habits or we, we go back to whatever that, that thing is and we don't, we don't keep. But I love that Moses kept as a result of him keeping, now you see that it was by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they, were, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. I love that it's by faith that the people crossed the sea because now we've moved from just the life of Moses to the life of a nation. You see the life of Moses and his faithfulness at each step to live by faith now has given room for a people to be delivered. And they were going to do something that was absolutely impossible to do by any other means. But his faith and his faithfulness gave him unique position in this nation. And I, I just want to encourage you today that your faith and faithfulness and the things that God calls you to be faithful in will give you a unique position in the lives of the people around you to be able to bring them also into freedom. Now they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land and then when, when, the, when the other people tried to do the same, they, they all drowned. They were killed because they didn't enter by faith. They were entering by control. They were entering by power. They, they were entering by every human means uh, available to them. And those human need, means aren't enough to deliver us into the freedom and the life that God has for us. So you've got those who entered by faith and we're able to pass through in freedom. And you've got those who entered by, by all of their own effort and by all of their own strength and all of their own weapons and all of their own ideas and all of their own passion, and they were wiped out. 
family, we need to live by faith even today. This is not an archaic system of thought. It's, it's definitely ancient. It's definitely been passed down generation to generation to generation. But the faithfulness of God, the character of God, the attributes of God, the nature of God has been unchanged through all of that time. The human condition is also unchanged for that same amount of time. As much as we want to think that humanity has advanced itself, I I would offer that it hasn't just because we've got iPhones doesn't mean we're any more advanced. You look at the very beginning of this with Abraham and with Adam and Eve wanting to do what they wanted to do. Wanting to replace God with themselves rather than to revere God for who he is in taking of the fruit. Whether you look a generation later and you've got one son killing another son, how much have we advanced from that? Maybe we haven't killed somebody with, our, with, with, with a rock. Maybe we haven't killed somebody even with a gun, but maybe we've, we've tried to murder with our words. Maybe we've tried to pour acid out on people with our words and with our, with our behavior and with, with our selfishness. What has changed of the nature of man or changed of the nature of God that would make this life of faith less meaningful or less, less relevant or less needed today than any other time in history? I see no evidence to the, to the other fact. But God is calling us even now to live by faith. And here's, here's what I want. Here's what, here's what I want for me and here's what I want for you. Here's what I want for all of us together is that we could make this statement that by faith I live. That by faith I live. By faith I know who I am. By faith, I'm not afraid of walking in the fullness of the identity that God has called me to walk in. By faith, I'm going to find my deliverance and I'm going to find my freedom in Christ and in Christ alone. And by faith, I won't be delivered just for myself, but I'm going to bring people with me into the freedom that God has for me. That's what I want us to be able to say. That's what I want you to be able to say. That your Christianity, that your faith in Christ wouldn't just be for you. It wouldn't just be to get past that addiction. It wouldn't be just to heal the marriage. It wouldn't just, just be for that little small thing that, that, that's in your mind. But your faith would go beyond just that of your own identity. And you would begin to see God's purpose as something that's more broad and more enduring, more lasting, more eternal than even, just, than even your life. God cares so deeply for us and, and it's right to emphasize that because for, for a long time in the church history, all that was talked about was, was the, the people and the person was forgotten. My fear is that in today's age, what would happen is we would so talk about the person that we would forget about the people. That we would forget that God's called us to exist not just, not just in and of ourselves and not just in this moment of time, but he's called us to exist in a, in a much larger narrative that he's been working on from the time before he created the earth to the time that he restores and makes everything new after time ceases to be the way that we know it now. I'm excited about the purposes of God. I'm excited about what God wants to do in and through your life. I'm excited about what God wants to do in and through us as a family and what he wants to do in and through Grace Covenant Church and every nation. But it's not just every nation. We're not so myopic. We're not so uh, movement-centric that we're not excited about what God's doing in the other movements as well. Man, I'm excited about this ministry. I met these, these people, they're running, a, uh, they call it History Makers Ministry in the, in the Philippines. And it's these young people who got a passion. They, they, they said, hey, you know what happened? There's this revival happening where churches are exploding with passion through the youth. And what happened is it took some young people saying, you know what? I'm going to support my parents in this ministry. 
And when the young people said, mom, dad, I support you in this ministry. I want to carry your banner. The old people looked at the young people and said, well, shoot, we can do something now. And their hearts changed towards the young people. And as their hearts were knit together and as their hearts were changed, it spilled out into the community and young people are rallying and getting saved by the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. As a result of some people just saying yes and seeing the call of God as something as more than for themselves, but for a people, not just for a person. So that's the invitation that we have. And that's the invitation that we see in Moses' life. Is a man who, who figured out who he was and responded by faith. He was a man who saw the challenge and everything that could come after him. And he saw the threat of Pharaoh holding him down, but he resisted by faith. And he saw death coming, but faith had taken him this far already. You might as well just go all in on this thing. And so he's like, I've already, I've already lost this and I've done this. God, you, you've been faithful so far. You haven't failed me yet. And you were faithful to, to those who went, be, you were faithful to Abraham before me. I might as well go all, all in on this and I'm going to put the blood of Jesus up on my life. And God was faithful again. Then they come up against the Red Sea and it's closed. And he's like, well, let's see. By faith, you kept me alive in the, in the creek. By faith, you, kept, you gave me an identity and you sustained me and you gave me an opportunity to get educated and you gave me the opportunity to be fed and to grow up strong and to know all of these military strategies and all of these, all these leadership principles that I wouldn't have learned as a slave, but I learned it in this house. And so now I've got something to give. And, and you, you didn't fail me here with the, with the angel of death thing. And, and you, you, well, God, I, you can do it here too. And that's our God. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to live by faith. Help us to acknowledge you in our lives and, and to look to you as the one who gives us identity, to look to you as the one who delivers us and sets us free, to look to you as the one who gives our life meaning and the broader context of what it means to follow you.